The statistics are grim. One in five working moms say they've been passed over for an important assignment or for a promotion because they have children. And women who take even one year off to have kids come back to earn 40% less than their peers. Working moms outpace, outperform, and outwork their peers. So why don't companies make an effort to support working moms? And how can working moms advocate for themselves in the workplace and in their careers? Frankly, we're tired of asking for a seat at the table. It's time to make our own table, and we're going to talk about how. I'm Zabine Mirza, and this is Moms at Work. Friends and fans, welcome to another episode of Moms at Work. This is the official podcast of Jobs.Mom. I'm Zabine Mirza, and today we're talking about failure. What is it? How do we overcome it? And why is everybody so scared of it? And to talk about failure, we have with us Angie McGrandles, hailing uh, from the United Kingdom. She is the founder of The Mind Tribe, and you can find her at uh, themindtribe.co.uk. Angie, thanks for being here today. Hi, thanks for having me, Zabine. Oh, it's my pleasure. Now, Angie, we're talking about failure today, and this is something that you talk about a lot. You've contributed a lot of content to jobs.mom where you talk about overcoming failure. Can you talk a little bit first about why you are so passionate about this topic of failure and why it's something that we should all be talking about, not just kind of hush-hush in a back room? I think... um... For me, failure is actually something that's really positive. I think failure is often perceived as a real negative, and I want to kind of turn that on its head and get people to look at failure in a different way, reframe failure, because failure teaches us so many things. And in fact, I don't even know if there is such a thing as failure. I think, you know, it's our own self-perception of something as well. So what you might see as failing, Zabine, I might not see as failing and vice versa. You know, it might just be a bump in the road to you or, so, you know, I think we've got to really start to unpack failure and, and look at it differently. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, we talk about this all the time, Angie, and even, you know, for those of you that haven't had a chance, you can visit jobs.mom and read Angie's uh, uh, articles on the topic. Um, But when we're talking, especially in the workplace, right, Mm -hmm. there is a very clear aversion across all industries, across all sectors, all companies to failing, right? And it's like you said, that we really need to, to... remove this block in our minds about, oh my God, we can't fail. Nobody must ever fail. But if you don't fail, how do you find new solutions? How do you innovate? How do you, you know, how do you progress? Um, what do you say to people that, that have this fear of failure in a corporate world? I think you've got to, you've got to allow for failure. I mean, first of all, right, when it comes to failure in a corporate environment, you're, perception of failure can be shaped by your company culture as well. So, you know, your company culture is a shared set of values, beliefs, attitudes, and they guide your whole organization. And your culture is reflected in the way you treat your clients, your customers, but it's really, really reflected in how you treat your employees. 
and it impacts the type of people you attract for positions and a strong company culture it boosts productivity it decreases turnover it improves employee engagement and if your culture um has got this has got this kind of blame culture is not really accepting of failing and and failing forward as well then it's gonna it's gonna really reflect on how you perceive failure and how how it shapes you in the workplace and I think we put an I think you know we've got a cultural perspective that shapes it but also we've got our own um, internal dialogue and our own mental point of view our own perspective of how we perceive failure as well yeah. so I think there are, I think there are kind of it's a two-pronged approach there are two elements to it some of it comes from how we ourselves you know perceive failure and that comes from you know it can come as far back as your childhood and when you've made mistakes at school or your parents have um, maybe chastised you for doing something so it, it can come kind of from from a place way back but when you're in a work environment if you're not working in the right culture that allows you to make mistakes um, then it's going to stop you from progressing because it's going to put the brakes on everything you do yeah that's right and you know what a lot of people will be deterred from contributing new ideas uh, suggestions, making improvements, advancements, innovations, because yeah. they'll be penalized. And the only person you're really hurting is, is the company, right? It's the company that's, that's being um, hurt when you don't allow your employees um, to really experiment and, and to try. And um, you create, you know, the opposite of an innovative culture. And you talk about failing forward Talk a little, Angie, about how companies can create cultures that allow for failing forward. Well, the SLT, I think your senior leadership team, your your founding, you know, your, your company founders, they, they've got to be visible and they've got to allow themselves to be seen as not failing, but again, do you know, to be honest, Sabine, right, just kind of going, stripping this right back, right, you don't get to the top without significant failures. Everybody has some challenge that they come up against. And what we need to do is we need to start reframing failure. We need to start reframing failure as growth. And the thing about failing is that you learn from it. It's what you take forward. It's what you change that counts, and that's where resilience comes into play as well. And resilient people learn from their challenges and they grow from them. And we need to kind of adopt this attitude across the board in the workplace. Senior people need to not chastise people for making mistakes, but they've got to kind of, yeah, unpack it. I, myself, right, I don't actually, I don't actually look at anything I do as a failure, the kind of approach I take is what I call the three R's, right? So if I do something and it didn't go particularly well or it didn't go how I planned, the thing I do is I take a step back. First thing I do is reflect. So I reflect on, I have that, what, what you kind of call a mourning period, isn't it? Where you kind of really, you have really negative emotions because you do when things go wrong, right? Let's not beat about the bush here. When things go wrong, we don't feel particularly positive about ourselves or the situation. So you need that period to kind of reflect, 
give yourself that time to recover, you know, but reflect on what went right. What, yeah, what went wrong, but what went right? What were the successes? What were the wins? What could I change differently? And how would I do it going forward? And then you need to reset. So you then need to reset your mind. So you've got it because you can't move forward if you're, if you've got this kind of negative thought holding you back because like you said it will stop you from being innovative it'll stop you from taking chances taking risks and then it's harder to progress in a corporate environment when you're always holding back and not giving 100 percent. so you've got to reset your your mind you've got to kind of level up your mindset into thinking right okay how am I going to take this forward how am I going to make it work and then once you've done that once you've reflected once you've reset you've got to refocus You've got to refocus on the job in hand. You've got to get back on the bike. And that's the, that all comes from a company culture. And senior people have to kind of encourage people to, to learn and to use it, to, you know, to use these experiences, to take them forward, um, to grow and to grow as individuals, but also as a team, as a business. That's right. And you know what? When we talk about you know, when you're talking about resetting, right? Um, A lot of this is so, you know, this resonates so strongly with me because, you know, our focus here at jobs.mom is on working women and in particular working mothers. And failure is is kind of like the status quo, unfortunately, for Mm -hmm. for working mothers. It's, you know, we're set up to fail often. The the entire corporate environment, the work environment, the the society is really built uh, without the working mother in mind, right? And it was mm-hmm. it was fascinating because I was reading something the other day where, you know, the forty hour work week even was not created with the working mother in mind. It was created with the idea in a time that there was the woman at home that was going to take care of the kids in the house and the man was going to work. So even the entire culture of full-time work in an office, everything is built to exclude and to not account and discount the working mother. Now, when you're talking about resetting and reflecting this is something that I think all the women that are listening, you know, to this podcast, mm-hmm. Angie, that are part of our, our jobs.mom community that are looking for work, that have been let go in the pandemic, that have been discriminated against in the workplace, that have been pushed out because they've been pregnant or because they've had to take childcare leave. This is an exceptional, exceptional um, way to look at it. Reflect, reset. And I love what you said in the beginning, Angie, where don't consider it a failure. It's not a failure that you're not getting hired. It's not a failure that you were let go, that you were pushed out, that you're not getting the big accounts or the big projects. It's not you, right? It's not yeah. you. So so the third R, Angie, what, what was the third R? Refocus. Refocus. And what's that about? That's about kind of getting your getting back on the bike, getting your head back in the game, picking up the project and starting again. Yeah. So shifting your focus. And, you know, you've got to draw a line under mistakes. Once a mistake is done, it's over with. You can't beat yourself up over it. And if you're somebody who, you know, feels deeply guilty about a mistake, then you're not someone who's going to carelessly do it again in the future. So, you know, don't. And this is this is a really hard one as well. You know, don't spend all day or night dwelling on it. 
I've got a great um, tool that I always use with my daughter and we call it the devil tool, right? 666. So if something goes wrong or she perceives something to have gone wrong, I always say to her, will you be bothered about it in six years time? And she goes, no. Will you be bothered about it in six months time? No. Six weeks time? No. And sometimes we even go back further than the three sixes and we'll go, right, okay, so what about six days? Probably not. Six hours? Yeah, maybe. So it's, you know, it's a great tool, a great strategy just to remind yourself that the feelings don't last forever and you can't hold on to them. You've got, you've got to move on. And, you know, many times as well, I think people assume that because they've failed at something, it means that they themselves are a failure. But doing something wrong and being something wrong are two completely different things. And you've got to separate them. And I think it's tough for working moms. And I think as working moms and as a a working mom myself, I think we put unnecessary pressure on ourselves. I think we do. I said I think we set the bar the bar really high and this causes us to really grapple with failure. That's I remember right. being um you know going back to work after I had my daughter and I really struggled. I struggled because I felt like I wasn't great at my job and I felt like I wasn't great at being a mom because if I left work on time Okay, not early, but on time. I'd done everything. If I walked out the door on time because I wanted to get home and be there for bath time and bedtime stories, I used to feel like I was letting my team down. I would see people who weren't moms like give me like, you know, side glances like, oh, where's she going? And then the nights when I stayed late or I would, you know, I had a work commitment and I couldn't get home for the for the story times. Then I used to feel like I was a really bad mom. And it wasn't until I reset my thinking that I actually got my head around it and stopped feeling this real awful mom guilt. What would you say, Angie, because this is really important because we all feel this, right? We all yeah. feel this. Um, it's it's crippling even, right? You, you stay awake at night sometimes just wallowing in this guilt that your kid hates you. Your children aren't going to know you. You weren't there for them. Are they going to need therapy and speak to their therapist about this in 10 years that my mother was never there? I mean, these are the things, these are the things, and, and it's it's difficult, right? Because for most women, work is not a luxury, right? We have yeah. to work and we have to find a way to balance a career which pays the bills and keeps a roof over our head, food over, on the table. We have to balance that with, you know, taking care of the emotional needs and the well-being of our kids. So what would you say, you know, it's it's easy for us to say reflect right? Reset, refocus. But what would you say to the mothers that are listening to this and saying, Angie, I want to reflect. I want to reset. I want to refocus. I don't know where to start. I think you've got to start, right? By, you've got to go easy on yourself, right? You've got to really kind of, you can't, like I said earlier, you can't beat yourself up for something. So when it comes to reflecting, when you are in that work environment and something doesn't go right, you know, 
speak to your line manager. Have you got a mentor? Is there somebody that you can break this down with? Is there somebody that you can just chat to, um, connect with? That will kind of help you reflect. Because I think as well, when you get a second person's opinion, a mentor, a confidant, someone you trust appear in the workplace, it makes you look at things slightly differently as well. They can sometimes give you a completely different perspective that you might not see. And that really helps when you're being quite hard on yourself, when, you, when you've just hit a bump in the road, when you're up against a challenge. So try and speak to somebody and reflect with them. Yeah. Now, the, the reset part, you've got to work on that yourself. So you've got to get your head into the game. And I think a great way of doing this is focusing on your wins. So I think we're not very good at focusing on our wins, right? We tend to like always focus on the failures. Right. We tend to let the wins pass us by and we don't always acknowledge them. Which by the way, men are really good at doing. Only focusing on the wins. Women... We are awful at it. We and we have Terrible. so we've so we don't advocate for ourselves. We don't talk about our wins because we believe that one failure negates everything. And yeah. that's wrong. Totally. And you know, I think what we're really, really bad at, just letting the little wins pass us by, the small wins as well. So journaling is a great tool to get your brain operating differently. It's a great way to level up your mindset. And I tend to journal three minutes in the morning, three minutes in the evening. And, you know, how you think, you know, your mindset before you go to bed is super important. And I would use that time to journal, to journal on your wins. What went right today? What three things am I really proud of? What have I learned from today? What am I gonna take forward? Don't focus on what you haven't done. Focus on what you have done. And that's a really good way to reset. And, and I then love the refocus that. part, the refocus part is about, you know, going back to your line manager, going back to your manager and saying, okay, what's next? What's next? And working alongside them, alongside your team members, you know just to give yourself that bit of confidence, what you've got to do is you've got to set yourself up for a win. So, you know, don't go into a situation where you feel totally out of control. Um, You know, make sure the next project you take on, the next task you feel on, you, you know, you're working on, you've got control over it. So set yourself up for a win and that will really help. And I love that because, you know, I am very, so I journal. I I don't want to say journal because journal sounds really like sophisticated. And I'm sure your journaling is far more sophisticated than mine. (laughs) But my journaling is really just scribbling stuff down on like random post-it notes. But I will tell everybody that's listening, that's doing a little bit of an eye roll, like, oh, journal. Yeah, great. You know, scrap. No, no, no. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be colorful. It doesn't have to be beautiful. But what it is, is really just an honest brain dump, right? To, yeah. to, to get clarity. And it's doable. Three minutes, right? Morning, in the afternoon, or in the evening before you go to bed, just three minutes. All right, what do I have to do? 
What am I going to tackle? What have I achieved? What is something really great that happened, right? And it's keeping that in focus. And I am telling you, I started doing this um, a year and a half ago. And what a world of difference it makes. Now, mm-hmm. journaling is different than to-do listing, which is what I have been doing my entire life. I make to-do lists of everything, but journaling is different because it's literally to secure clarity. And it's re- literally to, to, as Angie mentioned, to refocus your thinking, your energy, your efforts on what was good? What did I do? What did I achieve? What did I accomplish? And it's really a means uh, to push yourself forward. And as Angie mentioned, you have to be in control of the things that you know you can control, the projects you work on, the way people treat you at work, you know, the visibility that you afford yourself, putting yourself in front of a mentor, in front of a line manager to say, I want the promotion. What do I need to get there? But on the flip side of thing, uh, things, Angie, and you do a lot of work with companies, we've been talking a lot about how women and mothers as individuals can, you know, overcome the failure mentality, overcome that fear of failure. What can employers do to create these cultures? What can employers do to truly include women and mothers in the workplace? I think as an organization, you've got to take a step back and you've got to ask yourself, you know, how many women do we employ? And how many of these women are in top level exec positions? Are women in equivalent roles to men? Are they paid equally? And if you're really, really serious about promoting female equality, um, female equality in the workplace, you've got to be transparent about your desire to address these questions. But most importantly, Sabine, you've got to follow up with real shared action. Yeah, it's no good talking the talk if you're not walking the walk. So, you know, if you're serious about this, then you should be removing names from the CV screening process. You should be selecting candidates based on um, education experience and other required qualifications. You know, you should be paying people market rate salaries versus making salary decisions based on their salary history, which is what a lot of businesses do. And you've got to change, you've got to change company culture to reward outcomes, outcomes achieved and not hours worked. And that's what I think a lot of companies, you know, there's that culture within there that, you know, if you stay late, you're doing a great job. You know, I was saying earlier about I had this terrible mom guilt when I left on time, but I would get into my office and get down to, you know, get down to work immediately and was super productive. I didn't go out for long lunches. I didn't, I didn't go out for cigarette breaks or all the rest of it. So, you know, it was about what I was doing, my outcomes. It wasn't about the hours I was there. And that's, you know, that's something that um, companies have got to do. And I think, for working mums as well, it's about flexibility. Yeah. The pandemic will have changed that a lot. It's definitely changed it here in the UK. So, you know, we've gone in, you know, 16 months from working in the office to 100% working from home to now what is going to be the future hybrid working, which is going to be part office, part home based. And yes, that will come with its challenges, but it will definitely help working moms from a flexibility perspective. 
And you know, this is again where companies have got to they've got to communicate, they've got to talk to um, talk to their staff, and and as working mums, we've got to talk to people within our companies as well. So our line managers, our managers, HR, we've got to explain what our situation is, what our unique circumstances are, because people aren't mind readers, and everyone's circumstances are different. So like right here in the UK right now, we've got. Um, well, the schools have just broken up, but we've had this ping process where, you know, loads of kids were getting sent home from school because one um, child in the year tested or come into contact with somebody with COVID. So that then left mums who were trying to do jobs with kids for like 10 days. And you can't just magic childcare out of the air. It's really difficult. That's so, right. you know, it's hard. It's it's really hard. Um but as working mums as well, we've got to start putting ourselves out there and not be afraid to um, and, and say, yeah, I want that job. I want that promotion and I want that pay rise. And how do I get it? We don't have to be aggressive about it, but we don't have to be kind of so laid back that it passes us by either. Amen to that. Amen to that. And everything that you said, Angie, and to every employer that's listening to this, you know, equal pay for equal work right? Mm -hmm. Flexibility in work schedules, outcome and achievement-based KPIs and performance management, right? And representation, representation matters. And a lot of people, you know, will say, well, you know, this real push for diversity and eye roll, eye roll, eye roll. You know, somebody had once said to me, you can't be what you can't see. And Mm -hmm. this is so profoundly true for the simple reason that if I'm applying to a company and it's all older men, right? They don't understand me, my needs, my struggles, my challenges, my generation, my perspective. I'm not going to have the opportunity to show what I can do because if, you know, somebody had said, if, if you judge a fish by its ability to ride a bicycle, right? It's, it's going to be judged a failure. And that's, that's what it is. You're giving fishes bicycles and saying that, you know what, you failed because you can't do this. We're looking for equity, right? We're looking for equity. And this is so, so, so important. And, you know, the last thing that you mentioned, Angie, for all the working mothers, you know, don't apologize for being a mom no, at all. Not not at all. Don't apologize for taking childcare leave. Don't apologize for having requirements for virtual work or flexibility at your next employer. Don't apologize for needing maternity leave. Like this is a society that from the time girls are born, grooms them to get married, to have babies, and then turns around and penalizes yeah. them for doing that. No. If you have the kids, it's a problem. If you don't have the kids, it's a problem. You know what? So own your truth. This is what you need. This is who you are. These are your requirements for an employer and and a work pattern and and, and workplace flexibility. And the right employer is going to not only accept it, but embrace it, welcome it, create cultures that include women like you that need it. And those are the companies, as you mentioned, Angie, Um, that are really going to succeed in the future. Those are the companies that are going to attract the top talent, right? Those are the companies that are going to be able to sustain growth. Um, So so as we wrap up, Angie, you know, 
in your experience as a working mother in the UK, you've consulted with so many of these companies, you know, on their cultures, on, you know, employee well-being. What advice would you give to mothers and employers alike as we begin this post-pandemic life uh, and return to this new normal? I think there are a couple of things. Like, first of all, communication is super important, right? We've got to talk to our employer and our employer's got to talk to employees. We've got to find out what people's situations are um, and really make sure that as we return back to the office, to this new way of working, there is some kind of allowance for this transition period for people to find their feet, to get their head around what's working and what isn't working. One size does not fit all. So we've, and, and that's, you know, across a whole business, but across a range of working mums as well. We all have our own challenges, whether it's childcare, whether it's um, raising a family on your own. There are so many things that come into play. So there needs to be a transition period that allows for flexibility and allows for people to find their feet. Because right now, we are at risk of seeing high levels of burnout across um, companies, across businesses. And if we don't give if we don't give working mums that opportunity to to adapt back into this way of working, then we're gonna we're gonna lose them. You know, you're gonna lose some of your best employees, and it's a it's a fact that working mums mums make better employees. They have so many amazing qualities and values that they bring to the table, and you know, businesses would be really foolish to to not create a culture that allows for that and I think for the working moms that are going back stay in your own lane take it one day at a time do things at your own pace take control where you can where you can't let go 100% and I think you know the three R's reflect reset and refocus Angie that goes for employers too that are looking to really shift yeah. their cultures right going forward, Definitely. going forward. So Angie McGrandles, founder of the Mind Tribe UK, on holiday, but joining us uh, at the Moms <laughs> at Work podcast. Angie, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me, Zabine. I'm back off to the beach now, so I'll let you get on with your day. Well, thank you so much. And for those of you that want to follow along, Angie McGrandles, uh, she's the founder of the Mind Tribe, mindtribe.co.uk. You can also uh, visit jobs.mom. And Angie is a contributor there where she talks a lot more about overcoming failure and the three R's. And for all of you that are listening, it is time perhaps that we reflect, reset, refocus. And until next time, I'm Zabine Mirza, and this was Moms at Work. Follow us on social media, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, and check out more episodes at jobs.mom slash moms at work. Thanks for listening to Moms at Work, the official jobs.mom podcast. Uh, I'm Zabine Mirza, and I'm here to let you know that if you have ever thought about starting your own podcast but don't know where to start, have no fear. Pretty Easy Podcasts is here to get your podcast off the ground and sounding great at an extremely affordable 
great. So Pretty Easy Podcast helps new and seasoned podcasters by providing production, editing, and podcast management assistance. And with them, you can focus on your show's content while having a reliable tag team partner handle any and all of the technical aspects of podcasting to help your show sound great. So you can go to prettyeasypodcasts.com and get started today. And I know that for me, working with Alan and Melissa really has helped me avoid those roadblocks that so many podcasters run into with recording, editing, feed management. So whether you're new to it or you already have a show, visit Pretty Easy Podcasts and start working with Alan and Melissa. They really make podcasting just that pretty easy. So thanks, Alan. Thanks, Melissa. And thanks to Pretty Easy Podcasts. 